the human torch was denied a bank loan. It's just, it's just so brutal. Just, <laughs> conjures up so many images. It's really honestly of that scene when he's doing the getting ready to go on camera in Anchorman. It's the only one that I remember. Okay. I'm Other just thinking than, about it from like a comic book perspective. Like, why, man, no uh, one likes Johnny Storm? Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, dang. Is Storm even their last name anymore? I think so. Is well, it? Johnny Storm is Sue Storm's brother, but that's the only, I think that's the only two Storms, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was a big Fantastic Four person. Because I don't think he had Johnny, I don't think Johnny had kids. And right, yeah. Not, Sue's kids would have been Richards. Correct. Yeah. Not as of whatever continuity we're Not as of continuity we grew <laughs> up with, yeah. You know, I had a uh Ben Ben Storm? No. Ben's not uh, Storm. Nah, yeah. Ben is ben, his own guy. Grim. Grim. Yeah, Grim. Ben Grim. Yeah. I uh in the you can't make this up department, I had a an Italian teacher in college whose name was Giovanni Tempesta, which literally translates into Johnny, Johnny Storm. Storm. Wow. No. Yes. Okay. I'm not going to sing it because I'm no Ray Charles. But it's episode 146 of We Were Gamers, and I got Georgia on my mind. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks. It's good to be back. JJ's here as well. Yeah. Yeah, but really, we want to hear about Michael. <laughs> Michael, you're just, you're just going to be on it's the spot, man. It's all about me tonight. Yeah. No, I've never been to the state of Georgia. No? Same. Mm-hmm. That would be... Oh, wait. Not true. I, I was in an airport for about... An hour once. I maintain that airports are sovereign ground and don't count. Okay. By that rule, then I've never been to Georgia. Right. It's like the the movie with Tom Hanks where they don't let him out of the airport, but he doesn't, you know. The terminal. Yeah, yeah the Good terminal. Film. That one. That one. Well, you didn't You didn't get stuck at the airport. They let you uh, out for, into it Not for long. <laughs> not for long. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> Well, we got we had some small delays, uh, actually in each direction, coming and going, but nothing nothing very long. So nice. Uh, but yeah, so went to Savannah. The whole trip was actually kind of driven. My mother in law was doing a uh, like a seniors guided tour uh, of the city, cool, like a week long tour. And so we decided, hey, why don't we go out for the first part of the weekend since she doesn't have to be there until Sunday night. Uh, and hang out, and then it's close enough that my parents could drive down from North Carolina, uh, and then a cousin of mine who's in Atlanta drove up with his girlfriend. So, oh, nice, busy, yeah, it was good. It was good. <laughs> we had a we had a good group. Savannah is great. Uh, so I lived in Savannah or just outside Savannah uh, for a summer in college. Um, I was I had an internship outside the city. And was close enough to be able to get in into Savannah basically whenever I wanted. Um, but it's it's definitely it epitomizes old school Southern charm. Huh. If you are opening or a business or renovating a building, it has to be approved by the um like the city aesthetics council. Oh, much oh, like yeah. our to like, make sure uh, that protected buildings. Yeah, but to make sure that any ch any proposed changes are in line with the you know the aesthetic of the city. Yeah, they had that in the San Luis Obispo when I was going there for college, and it, it was just it basically meant that every place opened ended up looking the same, and it was just like you could change the sign and nearly nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> a summer internship in college, not long ago, but long ago enough that like, have you seen? Did you go back and you're like, oh, wow, this is different? Or like, nope, this is exactly the same. A, a lot of it felt the same. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of the city that is, you know, parks with historical monuments. Um, and it's all, it's all sort of laid out on a grid with, um, you know, every couple of blocks, there's another row of parks. So it felt, it just sort of felt 
the same because the whole city feels kind of timeless. Cool. Right on. Very cool. Yeah. Number one food to get in Georgia. It's like my question for everybody. Ooh. On every trip. I'm trying to think, what did we have that was really good? Any That's a good pretty beer legit question. Like, man, food is the one of my favorite parts of traveling. Right? I want to hear. I want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, did they have communist beer you had to buy? This no, is our last no, experience with travel on this show. <laughs> hey, hey, it wasn't. I didn't have to buy it. But it's just there were no other choices. <laughs> there was had some really good seafood. Well, that makes sense. Because they're on, you know, they're right on the river. Mm-hmm. Right. So seafood makes up a big part of the diet. Cool. Um, had a good, a real good shrimp po' boy. Catfish sandwich? I didn't have a catfish sandwich. Mine was mine was shrimp. I love a good shrimp po' boy. Man, that is like a, oh, <laughs> I'm hungry. Welcome back. Thanks. I'm sorry I missed out on the uh, on the rad zone. Hashtag rad zone. Hashtag rad zone. The new, it was rad. The new theme of this show. No more sad zone, all rad zone. I think I'm going to name my office the rad zone. Oh. No. And hey, actually, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you, the listener, want to join the rad zone, you have to subscribe to us on YouTube. You do. Just saying. Yep. We were gamers on YouTube. Mash that subscribe button. <laughs> you too can be part of the rad zone. Not my office. Exactly. Well, I, the hashtag rad zone. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, one might consider, uh, I do work in my office here in the house, but it is a separate room from everything else. And it contains some of my nerdiest things that I own. You know, the video game systems are in here. The computer's in here. The football's jerseys are in here. Uh, Captain America statues are in here. Things like that. Mm -hmm. One might call this a man cave. A mm-hmm. fortress of solitude, if you will. Sure, sure, sure. I consider a man cave to be a place of uh, of boozing and manly solitude and less a place of work, which I often do in here. Uh, yeah, I, I think if you work there, it's pretty tough to call it a man cave. But it looks like one from the outside. So I have to, I have to quantify that. I am bringing this up because I read a story today on Vox.com. Okay, are we in a news? Are we in the news segment? Nice. I love it. Okay. I I don't know that I would call this news at all, but it was on Vox and it was an article. Some professor has decided that their research this coming year for their upcoming book will be Man Caves, The Death of the Man Cave. What? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Is that like leading your hypothesis there I, maybe or Mr. scientist sure i don't know could be there was the in-depth uh, on the article definitely seemed like maybe that this hypothesis had been drawn from interviews about man caves uh so they they kind of fell into three categories finished and disused uh finished and not Maybe uh, furnished would be the right word. So finish and disuse would be like, oh, you you walk in and it's like a full on, there's beers on tap in the corner. It's a separate room or an add-on to the garage. And it's got like jerseys on the wall and the huge TV and the bar top it and all that stuff. It looks like the right? thing from the commercial that they made the fun of. The thing from the commercial. Then there's, this will be my man cave and it's a separate room and it's cleaned out and there's nothing else in there, but there's like... The example in this article, in fact, was trash cans turned over with a wood plank in between them to put beers on. <laughs> uh, Standard construction site stuff. Right. Sure. Yep. And that's kind of as far as they got. And according to the wives that were also interviewed about man caves, as far as they will ever get. Or the okay. man caves that have become um, multi-purposed and uh, participated with other members of the family. So... People that made quote unquote man nooks or something like that, where they stuck their video games and TV off to the side, but they're in full view and and uh, other family members participate. We I all think. seem to have office spaces in our place. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't call any of them man caves. How do you feel about the modern man cave apparently being, I would guess, now called 
the office because, you know, you have your big TV. It's out in the living room for everyone to partake in. There's no hiding it off to the side anymore. A lot of people have their video game consoles out there so that they can use them for Netflix, Hulu, etc. or uh, UPnP devices. I really feel like the, the the it's called, you know, the bonus room some people called it. Maybe that's the future of the quote-unquote man cave. I don't know. This is a deeper question that this person was trying to ask, and I don't think it goes deeper much than saying I know a lot of people my age and none of us have like uh dedicated space that's off limits to everybody else. I think that when you own or even when you rent a place, being able to say this room is like zoned specifically for this one thing and no one else can use it for anything else is like kind of an impossible ask unless you live in a house or an apartment that's so unbelievably gigantic that you have more space than you know what to do with. In which case, why are you living there? (laughs) (laughs) I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit. Um, Like you can't, you just can't do that because the space is too valuable. You need to use it for stuff. Well, part of the original hypothesis that this author had was did the 2008 financial crisis and people resizing their homes cause the death of the bonus room, basically? I'm sure that had something to do with it, right? Like people, people had to become more economical with the way that they used space. Sure. Because they, you know, couldn't afford it or were downsizing, what have you. Yeah, I mean, I don't have one of those kind of rooms in my home currently, but that's because the home doesn't have space for a room like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, I don't know, there's a psychology behind, like, I'm going to go in there and drink my beer alone versus what this office has become which is i'm gonna go in there and work and i need to be alone because i'm working or oh let's go in there and boot up one of the old video game systems but that's participating with my like (laughs) actual family and not being like i'm gonna go in there alone with my beer and play my video game systems you know you can also get you can also get into like changing gender norms and the mainstreamness of video games themselves or even football right like football is much more sports and games both are more fun when you share them with people so it's less like you need to go off in the corner and watch your football because you want to share it with you know your children or your significant mm-hmm. others or other people who are there because it's more fun to watch the game when other people are watching it with you. Oh, there you go. It's more fun yeah. to play games when other people are playing with you or they're watching you play or those kinds of things. I think it's uh we often talk about our houses or or our apartments on here and kind of like the spaces we use them for but not the psychology behind it and I thought that that was kind of fascinating on Vox to like Oh, the psychology of what you use your home for has kind of changed and shifted, and that's that. Anyway, uh, that's me for today. That's the interesting article I ran into this week. Uh, I can jump in here. Uh, I have a quick news story. Hey, do you guys uh, – did y'all have Sega Genesis back in the day? I did not. I uh, I had a Super Nintendo, and the kid down the street had a Sega Genesis, and so we would bounce back and forth. I had a Nomad, which was the portable Genesis. So I also did not have a uh, Sega Genesis growing up, but when I went to several different friends' house who had them, there was a game that they had uh, in common that I have relatively fond memories of, Toad Jam and Earl. You guys ever play that one? Yeah, I remember that game. I remember it. I never owned a cartridge for it. It was not like... It was... You know, it's a weird game. <laughs> Just, it's very weird. Let me throw out there that for a kid to play that game, you can kind of get lost and then just not care anymore. Yeah. Well, uh, so looking back on that game as a, you know, older person, that game is a roguelike. <laughs> really? Because you're trying to collect all these pieces and the levels are all randomly generated and all the presents do randomly different things. It has this kind of like, 90s era hip-hop funk aesthetic uh and you know you're wandering around you're two aliens toe jam and earl and you are wandering around trying to collect pieces of your spaceship which broke apart upon crash landing on whatever this planet is and you're trying to avoid the earthlings and other stuff that is a bummer 
<laughs> uh, do y'all know they released another one of those, like, recently? I heard about this. I heard about this for a reason that is not because of the game. <laughs> uh, Wasn't there someone attached to it? Yes. Oh, I, I don't know anything about that. Uh, it's called Toe Jam and Earl Back in the Groove. Funded, produced by, uh, partially, uh, Macaulay Culkin. Yes, that's what it was. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> that's how I heard about this. That's kind of hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I can tell you that this game, uh, from the videos and stuff I've seen, looks like a modern version of that first Sega Genesis game. It's not, because there were sequels to that game which were disliked greatly. Uh, and this is like that first Sega Genesis game, but with like higher res assets and new, also funky music. Uh, and it looks great. <laughs> it's really weird. Like it's weird seeing them like codifying the weird stuff in that game that was like a proto roguelike when no one knew what that term was <laughs> and no one had ever played any of those before. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you you were an experience and then you level up and then you know, you have three hearts, but you could get you know pay money and get more and the presents are randomized and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, that's like. That's like what happens when you play Spelunky again or when you join a, you know, a new level of Dead Cells or whatever. I think it's cool to have games that are like Toe Jam and Earl. And I would put like game, modern games like Kerbal Space Program and stuff like that onto the same pedestal of, it might be pretty popular with like a certain crowd. Like I know Kerbal is really popular. I know Toe Jam and Earl is like very popular in certain crowds, but overall, not a lot of people will have played them. But like you said, like it's a pre-roguelike. I want to know what the world becomes when people have sat on other games now when they're doing VR in five, ten years, right? Toe Jam and Earl. Yeah, that, w- that was a, something I had not expected, and it just came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, this thing. <laughs> <laughs> Blindsides you. So, yeah, I found, a, I found an article that is also about a sequel, but was kind of unexpected to me given the where the previous game got left, there was an announcement today that there will be a Trine 4. And specifically, the, the announcement I saw was that it was coming for the Switch as well as all of the other platforms. Can we stop for a second and really appreciate that? Is Hold on. How's Is Trine how, the series that <laughs> the third game basically didn't ever get finished? Yes. It, Yes, it is. And I, I don't remember what episode, but there is a previous episode where I, I gave you guys a rundown of trying like three. Trying three. The having, game that having really enjoyed the first two. And it just stops. Okay. Yeah. I think they, I remember they this conversation. Yeah. Right. I, we, we They ran out of money and decided, well, we're not going to we're not going to cut corners on the game we have plotted out. So we're going to put out a really good part of a game. I have three questions. Okay. One, a game that is about a lot of different things related to the number three, should it have a number four? Like you play with three different characters. There's like usually three of a lot of things you have to collect. Yeah, but wasn't there was a trying one and a trying two. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That was the joke question. We can move <laughs> also, on since it wasn't funny. <laughs> Also, I, I your reaction I, to the joke question is funnier than the question. <laughs> question I saw in the announcement. Hang on, I'll let you get to question two. I saw in the announcement that apparently the game will support four player co op. So maybe there's a fourth character you can play as? Question mark. Oh, okay. God, it's just too much. <laughs> These. Uh... You could have interrupted me in the middle of my question and said that. What was your question? The, He's going to ask you that. The three thi- <laughs> no, the whole thing about threes. You're like, well, actually, it has fours. So you wait until I have the total flop there and then come back to me on that one. Terrible. Well, you deserved it- a real answer. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hurt you. <laughs> I think it's nice that some video game developers can count above three. We know Valve can't even count that high, so. <laughs> EA can count to three, but their checks stop at two. 
<laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> the real the real second question and maybe the most important one, does this annoy you? Yeah, it does a little bit. Um I am excited to see what looks like it will be a fully realized game. Um, and it sounds like they are going to try and reel it in a little bit from some of the ambitious things that made the third game a little bit more than they were able to handle, which is also appreciated. But at the same time, I would have liked for them to have finished the last game. Yeah. Well, yeah. As a question, I mean, like as a question to them, and maybe we should email them or something. Uh, was this stuff that was in the last game that they just didn't throw in there, and they're basically double charging people? You know what I mean? Especially it the looks, Kickstarter people. It looks like it's completely new. Okay, like the the story of the the Trine Four looks like you know from whole cloth kind of new story. So, and I think this did not go through Kickstarter. It was just announced as, "Hey, this is coming out." Yes. Huh. So question, real question three was, if you're annoyed, how did the internet take it? Because I haven't even heard that this was coming. Uh, I haven't really gotten a chance to do much other than read the announcement and watch the video. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much of a backlash there was. Um, I don't know if people will be equally upset that or more so that they just sort of are sweeping the previous game under the rug and pretending it didn't happen or if that is outweighed by the fact that hey there's a new game coming out that will be more like the previous games that everybody loved well how does a company need a kickstarter to throw together the last game but then all of a sudden can finance the next one and and i really hope the answer is not that they could afford it because of the last game I mean, I don't, I don't get that sense. Um, I, I really do think that they just ran out of budget on the last game. Um, as to how that happens, I don't know if the studio gets bought or if they find an investor who, you know, they weren't able to dig up. Sure. Is it exclusive to anything? Or you said it's on Switch? No, I saw that it'll be, it'll be broad release. So Xbox, oh. PS4, Switch, and PC. Hmm. You know, it's also possible that their studio then, after Trine 3 didn't do well, they downsized a bit, and then they went and did, you know, work for other companies for a while while they, you know, had their ideas brewing in the background, and now they're finally ready to put more money in and try this thing. Refilled the coffers a little bit. Yeah. You know, like a reasonable business. (laughs) (laughs) Will you play it? (laughs) Probably, yeah. You know, if it's anything, like I said, the first two games were so good that I was super excited for the third one. Uh, and if they are going back to that style, which it sounds like they are, um, then I am I am optimistic about a new one. I think those games were all well-liked, right? Or at least the first two were pretty well-liked. I think so. The first one was uh, Gangbusters well-received because it was like an X- Xbox and Windows game originally, I think. Mm. It was certainly extremely popular on the Xbox in the early days of like Castle Crashers and stuff like that. Mm. So it was that like big was... on the 360 when there weren't many games coming out. Yeah, because it was multiplayer, local, yep. same screen, you know, that sort of stuff. So it was really popular cool. then. I remember playing it in an at an office party one time. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> That's cool. It's a good, I mean, it's good. Yeah. People got into it. JJ. Yes. Have you played Toe Jam and Earl at all recently? No, sadly. Would you have to emulate it if you did? Yes, I would. Although, I since I don't really own a copy of that game, that would be a little bit... It would bit, be illegal-ish. Yeah, illegal-ish. Um, but I recently uh, have been fooling around with some emulators on my PC for games I do legally own copies of. So that's kind of legal-ish because you can dump them. It is legal. I mean, I own them. They're okay. right there on my shelf. I can see them. All right. Uh, and, uh, I had wanted to, I don't know what went over me. I felt the bug to go back and play some old RPGs. Uh, and I booted up, uh, Suikoden and, dis- or Su- Suikoden? Hmm. I've Gosh. heard, 
I think I've always pronounced it Suikoden. I've heard Suikoden a lot, but uh, you are right that it would I think be, so. could be Suikoden. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyhow, uh, I booted that game up in uh, a emulator, and you know, uh, you guys, I don't know how, have you guys dug into some of those options and emulators before? I really don't emulate stuff. I just, if I really like the console, I keep it. I have, um, just because I've had some things that I have emulated that have been kind of a bear to get working mm-hmm. in a stable state. And so for some of them digging into the, the you know, behind the scenes workings is kind of necessary. Okay, so this is important to me because I want to create an emulation box for like old arcade games to make like a one of those multi cabinets you want retro arch that's what you're looking for okay mm-hmm. so tell me the things that are not right about emulating so stuff. The, <laughs> the thing the thing in particular i'm running into because i'm emulating a ps1 game uh uh suikoden is a ps1 game and it uses pixel graphics you know like a like a lot of the uh, 16-bit games do, which is relatively uncommon on the PlayStation. So again, there was a lot of 3D stuff by that point, right? The pixel graphics look really bad on a modern monitor, especially if you blow them up. Um, you can't play them blown up. You have to downsize it to the original resolution, right? You do, yeah. Well, the original resolution is very small. <laughs> sure, yeah. On That's your screen. Four, 480 by... Oh, no, it's smaller than that. The rendering resolution of it is like 240p or something it's tiny on your screen wow, so it would have looked bad ish on a normal tv though then yes so the uh if you blow it up on a normal tv uh it's a little bit better like i have the ps1 classic version um available on my ps3 and i've played it there before and it looks okay it, uh they do some stuff with that to like try and uh make the the outlines a little harder than i think they would normally be uh but the emulators have a lot of like tools for filters and shaders and all this stuff to put over top of the images or to you know massage the image to make it look a little bit better or worse or different depending on the various setups that you have mm-hmm. and you know a lot of people have opinions about scan lines uh do y'all know what scan lines are scan lines for people that don't know like if you are using a a standard LCD monitor or TV or even other technologies, but just like a, a flat screen kind of a, a viewing device as opposed to a CRT, right? The old TVs with the big uh, cathode rays in the back. The image is not quite the same because of there's a lot of properties of those CRT TVs that would make images look different than it's, they do on the, these kind of monitors. It's right? mainly how your image is refreshed and that's, but it it's also, a, because of the way the panel worked, there would be sometimes these discrete lines where the color is and then where the color is not uh, on the image. And so when you sit farther back, those lines kind of blur together and it all just looks like one image. But if you get up close, you can see it. And that separation of color actually adds a lot to old uh, pixel art or it, it makes it. It can make it. I don't, I don't want to say that it, it always does, because some games look perfectly wonderful without them, and then some do not. People that uh, relied on the TV to do extra work for them by coding yes. games with less colors? Or not just colors, but like the uh, they would use the scan lines, or not even just the scan lines, but like the dithering and the stuff that happens on a CRT to help make the images stand out from one another. Uh, because scan lines are kind of like the basic level of it, but well, actual di- dithering wouldn't see- help you create definition. Dithering would damage your definition. But they relied on the dithering to like make the images look distinct from each other in pixel art. It, yes, it's a really interesting thing, and I I'll post some pictures, I guess, to the Instagram to show what I'm talking about because it's really really hard to explain uh when you're talking about it but it's not just the scan lines right scan lines were horizontal yeah uh, and they would separate the colors into these bands crts you can actually emulate the look of a crt through a filter over the image you know kind of like a post process filter on instagram or whatever except that it's done as the image is being rendered uh and it makes some of these games look like how i remember them looking on my <laughs> old tv when That's i was cool. you know 8 um 
super cool. Uh, and you get you know, refresh banding too, or no? Uh, there's a ton of options. There's like, you know, make it only stretch in certain directions. Do you sure. want the screen to be curved? Because that was also a thing, right? Those screens were always very lightly curved on the edges. Yep. Uh, do you, you know, how much do you want it to stretch in the various directions? Uh, there's a whole bunch of settings on these things. And so I took a little dive into that stuff and played around with it. And man, it is cool being able to see that what I remember that game looking like as opposed to what it looks like now when you render it on a modern monitor. I remember playing, it must have been in PS2, that you finally got the options on how far out to let the screen go. Mm, yeah. Where, like, like where it gave you the corners and you could like tell it, like, oh, no, 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 go like this way. Yeah, have white screen or not. Uh, and I definitely remember the first TV I plugged a PlayStation 2 into, I was like, ooh, I can adjust this? I'm going to put the corners inside when it starts to bend. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. not like bending over the corners. So I had this little black line all the way around. Uh, didn't use the whole In- Interestingly, a lot of games, or at least this game uh, that I've been playing, knew about that stuff because the edge of the rendered area is outside of the box your character can walk. So, like, there's a few lines at the bottom and the top of the screen that you can never touch because once your character's head gets to about that area or their feet, right, it just transitions to the next screen. Huh. Because that stuff was supposed to be in the overscan area on the outside of the viewable area in your TV. Oh, overscan. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> but there's image there. Like, when you see it through a renderer like this, you know, these emulators, you, like, there's... There's more of the picture, right? It's just a little yeah. bit taller than it normally would be. Do you remember how hard it used to be to plug t- computers into TVs and just just get yeah. them to work at yeah. all? It, it was a giant pain because <laughs> computers had no idea about overscan. And so you would lose, like, you know, if you plugged a Windows machine into a regular TV, the start bar at the bottom would be invisible and off <laughs> the screen. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> Anyway, I wanted to uh, talk about that because I've been enjoying playing uh, Suicoden again, and I think that... How uh, much does that emulator tax your computer? uh, I mean, not too much. It seems to be running fine. Uh, RetroArch is the one that everyone should get into. Uh, They have cores for every darn system I can think of, and... It sounds like that one Emulation quality is pretty good on all of them, is my understanding, so... Sounds like that one Or if it's not good, you can... Switch to a different core. That is good. <laughs> they even run those on like a Raspberry Pi. So, yeah, they support tons of platforms and like you know, figure out which version of the Raspberry Pi and like what power level you have, and there'll be settings there for like, hey, you can do this stuff and not this stuff, or you know, because like some of them will say, hey, you know, yeah, you can do this, but the emulation isn't going to be very good. But like you know, we wanted to give you the option, so here you go. Um. It gets very fiddly, and you kind of got to get down into the configuration menus and really go at the, like, text files and stuff, but um, it's there, and it's very cool. So. I have a follow-up question not related to emulation. Is the nostalgia worth it? <laughs> oh, it, this particular game is I enjoy a lot. I enjoy the sequel to this game much more, and I think that one does hold up. Uh, this one I'm just more playing because I kind of want to play that one again someday. And- I'll play this, you know, through off and on here, an hour here, hour there, and then I'll eventually get to the second one, you're, which is the good one. You're betting on that PlayStation Classic too? No, <laughs> I own these games, man. I got the discs. I don't need to. <laughs> don't need that. Fair point. Fair point. Have you been playing anything outside of that? Uh, I actually have. Oh my! Uh, I know, right? Uh, How do you have the? To- I, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been playing uh a little bit more apex legends uh which is still fun do you have a crew is that why you're playing this so much yeah i've you got have a, a friend crew. or two i have a friend or two who's I been see. playing yep mm-hmm. are you the um, carry or are they the no, they're, they're the carry no i am bad yeah, i see um we don't win generally <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's fun anyway it's just like how playing games with people online is fun it's fun um but uh, I also have been playing a little bit of the Yakuza Kiwami, which is the sequel for, of Yakuza 0. If y'all remember, I played that uh, recently. Which was a sequel to Yakuza no. 5? 
Uh, Yakuza 0 is a prequel to the entire Yakuza story, right? And this is the first game in the the remake of the first game. I guess Kiwami means extreme. And so so this is is Yakuza 1 Extreme. Oh, okay. Got it. So it's a remake. It's it's essentially a remaster of the first game. Cool. Uh, It uses some of the engine of Yakuza 0. So there's like the fighting styles and stuff are pretty kind of similar. But the upgrade trees and all the rest of the stuff is very different. It all takes place in that same uh, city, but aged forward into the future quite a bit where like, you know, cell phones exist. (laughs) It's like 2005 or something, I think. So um, pretty cool. It's fun. Punching people. Still enjoying that. It's always fun to fun. Always Did they fun to add any of the like mini games and stuff from the later games that weren't early on, or did so, they just kind of? Uh, I'm not it? too far into the game right now, but I have not seen any of the later mini games. There's like, there's definitely stuff that was I'm pretty sure not in the original game. Okay, like there's a there's a weird like collectible card bug lady fighting game uh, that's basically rock paper scissors. Uh, there's, you know, like UFO catchers and that stuff, which I expect were in the original game, but like, there isn't like the hostess club management thing from Yakuza zero. And I haven't seen anything like the real estate stuff that was in Yakuza zero also. So, um, but you know, you can go on dates with women and you can go get drunk in bars and run around and punch people who are mad at you on the street and race, um, slot cars. Much more towards the original, uh. GTA style strategy of that game. It definitely seems like it's like, hey, we took that original Yakuza game and we like put some stuff in from zero that you would be like, oh, I remember that. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just that game. Got it. Got it. Right on. So I'm enjoying that. Michael? Cool. Uh, Lots of games, actually, um, since the last time I talked to you guys. One would Uh, hope uh, some stuff on an airplane, maybe. Yeah. So the nice thing, the nice thing about being on a plane is having lots of time to, uh, to break out uh, some games. So I dusted off my trusty 3DS. Nice. Still works. Yeah, still (laughs) works. Uh, and I fired up a copy of, um, Link Between Worlds. Oh, so good. Which I had never played, um, but is a great game. What? Yeah. Oh, man. Yes. Um, Are you familiar with Link to the Past? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can. I I have Link to the Past more or less memorized. So were you surprised that you had already played the map of this game? (laughs) (laughs) No, so that, that I did know about. I knew that it was an overlay on the Link to the Past map. Um, but it's good. I really like what they did with it. The way that the, the flattening yourself into walls mechanic works, uh, and the whole idea of there being a, you know, a, a mirror version of high rule called low rule. It was every time I solved puzzles in that game that involved like use the item from the dungeon or, you know, use an item for that dungeon and then extend it like one further by flattening myself into a wall. I felt like a genius. Definitely adds a whole nother dimension to the puzzle solving. And having played a lot of Zelda games, there are times when I find myself forgetting, oh yeah, I'm able to do this to get around. You get like too focused on hook shotting and then it's like, oh right, I could just slide through this crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like like the Legend of Zelda brand is like Nintendo's way of saying this is our, our super premium content. And even though it may not be perfectly Zelda or like the exact Zelda game you want, either the top down old school one or or the Ocarina of Time style ones, uh, it's still going to be the best thing we can make. Yeah. I think one of the things to me that made this game so interesting, um, just in terms of a a play style, is that unlike a lot of Zelda games, it doesn't gate you into following a specific sequence based on the items you pick up. So if you take Link to the Past, for example... When Link to the Past drops you into the Dark World, there's one dungeon that you can go to. You have to get the item from that dungeon to be able to go anywhere else in the Dark World. 
Um, and each dungeon, as you progress through it, you need to access and or finish it. You need an item or items from previous dungeons. We'll jump to this one, jump to Link Between Worlds, and instead it drops you into the into low rule, and you can go wherever you want. One of the mechanics of this game is that from the almost the very beginning, you can rent all of the inventory items. Yeah, you can essentially just go up to the rabbit. Is it a rabbit? What's the guy's he, name? He's a, he's a guy in a rabbit costume. Yeah, and just like go up to him and be like, hey, I want the hammer, I want the hook shot, I want the fire rod i want the just like take all the stuff and then you have it you know i think what's the is until you die basically right yeah you're fully kitted you he, he starts out renting you these items and so if you die anything you've rented from him goes back to his shop and you have to rent it again uh, and then later in the game you you gain the ability to <laughs> buy the items permanently and it's just like rupees essentially you go back and you find your blood all over the items <laughs> <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> Who died in this? Uh, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, why? Someone was using this hammer. It's like kind of dented, but eh, well, whatever. <laughs> Same cost. It's all right. The scratch is under the size of a silver dollar, so you don't get charged. For <laughs> I think that's the size of the rental company told me last time. Cars, not hammers. A sil- yeah. A silver dollar <laughs> is a very weird unit of measurement. Kind of days. outmoded. Well, it was definitely yeah. bigger than a quarter. And it was not the size of the golden, uh, you know, the the, the gold dollars or whatever they are. I don't have a bigger unit. Of, then you get to a dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> Half dollar. Instead of saying silver dollar, maybe that makes more sense. No? Yeah. That doesn't narrow it down. Still pretty uncommon, though. Anyway. <laughs> How far did you get on an airplane, though? Um... I finished all of the Light World and got mm, two dungeons into the seven in the Dark World. Nice. Uh, I have since then um, gotten to the final castle, which is where I am now. Oh, so it's relatively quick. Yeah, it is not. It is not a super long game. If you know what you're doing, you can beat even original uh link to the past pretty quickly if you just like no i need to go here i need to do this i need to do that blah 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 yeah and this one while it is different you don't need to explore the map because you know where that castle's gonna be i don't have much to report on the gaming front i do want to talk about a movie if that's okay with you guys multimedia this podcast up a little bit i have to admit maybe that i was also part of the failure of this film maybe a little bit because i was mm, peeved i guess is the right word (laughs) that disney decided uh we need to hurry up and release star wars movies as fast as possible all the time Mm. instead of maintaining a regular release schedule giving people a break at uh their christmas time scenario so they decided, oh, wow, that last movie didn't get very great reviews, and they shuttled Solo out the door, the second of the Star Wars, a Star Wars story movies. Did either of you see Star Star Wars, a Solo story? A Solo yes. Star Wars story? Yeah, I saw it. Okay. I'm going to throw out there that I liked it. Yeah, I think that was, was- generally my opinion after seeing it also. That it was good, but I liked Rogue One better. Okay. And uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Was, I mean, it, I would I would watch another one if they did another one, which they kind of set up for. I don't think that that's happening, given their yeah. complete misunderstanding of their missteps. Sure. Uh, they seem to have blamed the side stories for their lack of quality control on the main stories. I think the bigger issue with that movie was that people are very precious about the character of Han Solo for really no reason that I can understand. Yeah. And there's no way to live up to that kind of uh, the image people built up around this guy. Um, I thought the movie was fine for what it was. And I actually think I liked Lando in it better than any part of where Han was in it. I often judge a movie by 
I often judge a movie good by knowing the twists ahead of time and still enjoying the movie. And there yeah. are some twists. I don't think we need to ruin them here Um, at the end of that movie as they come. One of which kind of you may maybe don't see coming and one of which you absolutely see coming or should yeah. based on Star Wars, mercenaries, all things, on, I guess. On paying any attention whatsoever <laughs> to the characters. <laughs> and you still like it. You're just like, oh, yeah, of course this happened. But, you know, now how does our hero have also planned for this, right? And it's cool to see Han, like, they actually did some legwork on trying to connect Han to the Rebellion, and they give you some background and say, like, eh, he's actually kind of a good guy some of the time. Or he tries he tries to be the bad, or tries to be the bad boy, but he can't help it, you know? And then you kind of get the idea later when A New Hope rolls around, like, okay, that makes some more sense that he showed up. His heart of gold keeps coming through. Right. <laughs> right? I I thought I dug the connection back. Ron Howard clearly saved that movie when they brought him into that very late. And I dug that they, the th they tried to connect it. That was cool. I think the thing that threw a lot of people... Oh, well, we don't want to talk about spoilers. Never mind. Uh, All right. All right, here. Spoiler zone. Just because it's like how many years old now or whatever. I mean, yeah, it's, it's almost a year old at this point. I get, it's on the Netflix. The this is the spoiler the zone in, for the next couple minutes. There's the thing near the very end with Darth Maul, and people were like, what? Oh, I remember yeah. that being a thing that like no one understood because he got chopped in freaking half. But anybody yeah, that watched the cartoons knew that that yeah, had happened. he survived it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I never saw any cartoons. That no. was not me. And so I was confused, and then I went online. I was like, oh, okay. This is dumb. They should have explained that. That's all. Yeah, okay. Fair point. Um, I actually had forgotten that that was still canon. I knew that in some side story before they had said that Darth Maul had survived and that he ended up with robot legs. Um, mm -hmm. And I thought that that was dumb as hell. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> and so I had assumed... Why that was when that they, the thing they kept? Well, yeah, well, they retconned so much stuff, and they were like, okay, well, here are the exact things that still matter. And I forgot that they had kept, like, three books, like, three, and one of them was the one where Darth Maul had robot legs or something, and then he ended up in a cartoon for five seconds Uh, beyond that. I, I know. It was just shocking to me. I, I agree with you. <laughs> it's weird. Okay. Uh, and it's weird because it's so open-ended that, you know, you think maybe it doesn't come back in whatever Han Solo sequel, but maybe it also comes back in a different Star Wars story of some other character they decide to do, like a Boba Fett Star Wars story. I really wish they had waited till Christmas so people didn't get Star Wars fatigue and actually went and saw it. Uh, I think it would have done a lot better. It would have done better, and I think it would have cemented that the side stories were actually getting more attention maybe by their directors than pumping out those other movies really, really fast. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, another three months of editing or something also might have helped it. Maybe. The train Un scene unclear. was pretty good. Oh, dude, there were a lot of yeah. great scenes. The heist. Great scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I think we should do an episode of just no explanation and then we can argue afterwards, but no explanation, stack ranking the movies. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. That'll be tough. We just all go, and then we argue. All all ten? Any film oh, that's goodness. not animated. So it's not, it's like, like more than ten. Special. Yeah, there's like... Christmas specials automatically at the bottom. Come on. There's no... Yeah. It's a there's TV no movie, and Steven Spielberg is arguing that those don't matter anymore. Did you hear about this? This matter. maybe this should be a, my news story. Apparently, uh, he is asking the Academy to refine their rules to say that uh, films must have a four-week exclusive release prior to being anywhere else in theaters for them to count as a film for the Academy consideration. That's just like that, him that saying, "I like have a lot of money, and everyone else also has to have a lot of money if they want their stuff to count." Or yeah, that feels like pearl clutching. Or yeah. Netflix, uh, you shouldn't count. You make, you know, Hallmark movies. I'm very sorry you had to pay nine ninety nine to subscribe for a month to watch Roma, Mister Spielberg. I know. Deal with it. I know. 
Well, it's what's funny is that Netflix has so much money that, okay, well, we'll just put our next Roma in theaters for four weeks. We don't care. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. It's silly. So watch Spielberg's movies on Netflix while you can. (laughs) (laughs) For those other uh, pearls of wisdom, uh, you can follow us at uh, We Were Gamers anywhere on the internet, basically. You can email us uh, your opinions on what the Academy should do at podcasts at wewaregamers.com. I'm working on that YouTube channel, so you should subscribe to it. Yeah. Subscribe there. Mash that subscribe button and like and watch our videos. And, and hey, you know, if you like podcasts, you could just just watch them on YouTube. It's the same one. Yeah. That's convenience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They're identical. One of them may have video in the long run. Who knows? Who can't say? Also, playlists. Playlists. Yeah. Component yeah, class. Yep. yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. Star Trek sub pods are out there, too. They easy are. Easy to find if you want. Sub. They have a play. We should hype that for a second. JJ, hype that. People, if you want to listen to the subspace transmissions sub pod series that uh, Andrew and I have done, they are really good, and we talk about Star Trek a lot, and they're great. They also listen to that stuff. They come out the Friday that is closest to the fifteenth every month. Basically, as close to the middle of the month on a Friday as we can get them. Yeah, one a month. Yeah, until we do something silly like make a Patreon and try and convince ourselves to do it twice a month. Or until we run out of Star Trek topics to talk about. That is literally impossible. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) One or the other. (laughs) The subspace transmission pod might outlive the regular pod. (laughs) It's possible. There's certainly a lot to talk about. Not that the regular pod is on a clock. I'm not implying that here at the end of this podcast. And then people won't listen to the next one because they think it's ending. Well, you know, the way it works is if... The entire video game industry goes bankrupt. We have our second escape route. It's just like right there. We just roll right into that, and it becomes a regular thing. Oh, dude, hot off the press. Freaking news bangers here. Uh, That Picard show just cast a whole mess of people this week. So that thing is getting off the ground. Also, CBS All Access only. (sighs) All right. Yep. I heard Frakes is directing stuff, and I'm both happy and sad. Frakes is doing yeah, a lot of disco. Yeah, he directed an episode of Disco just a couple of weeks ago. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to be watching that eventually. Yeah, we should make a... Okay, this is getting into the podcast end of the show minute. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. Yeah, here we go. All right. Uh, subscribe. Do the thing. Yeah. You know what? Ratings, they do help a little bit. You could do that, too. Yeah, please. Help Spe- us out. Speaking of ratings... uh. Jaws or Close Encounters? If you had to pick one to watch because you're stuck on a boat and can't get off of it because there's a killer shark. (laughs) (laughs) So Andrew picks Jaws. Way to set that up. (laughs) So I would definitely also pick Jaws. I think that's the right choice there. Yeah, uh, I think I'll, I'll make it unanimous. 